The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish by your endurance will gain her souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Some of you might be familiar with the name of Martin Marty. Uh, Martin Marty was uh, a wonderful uh, professor of sociology and religion at the University of Chicago. He was also the senior editor of Century and wrote, I think, 5,000 articles. He was a prolific writer. Well, there's a little quote that he and his son Micah put together that I often find helpful, especially when I am uh, down and I'm feeling sorry for myself and thinking about how awful things are. And the book is called The Promise of Winter. And it's a book of uh, Martin's meditations on Psalms. And they're juxtaposed with photos that his son has taken of a landscape that I'm very familiar with, uh, the landscape of the plains in the wintertime. It's pretty barren, but if you look closely, you find signs of hope in those pictures, and certainly in the meditations. Well, the book is actually uh, using the metaphor of winter for those times in our lives when we are going through a winter, the winter of the soul. It's those times when we are disappointed, when we've had setbacks, when we've suffered loss, times of self-doubt, of uh, times when 
those are wintry times. And this idea of winter is what uh, Martin Marty, his son, wanted to raise before us to see that there's a possibility of finding promise in the midst of all of that. Uh, he also wrote that when we encounter such times, we often are praying for an early spring. We want that winter to be gone. But he said this, to employ, to employ spring as the meta metaphor for whatever improves the condition would be to suggest that winter itself has no promise. Yet it does. The truth that all of us need is the reminder that God is present even in our winters. Any of you who were at the forum this morning heard uh, Rob Bacon's uh, wonderful faith journey, uh, but not an easy faith journey. But all through that, one could hear, especially in the winter times of that journey, that God was there. And perhaps, more often than not, we only realize that when we look back and we realize that God really was with us. So the promise of winter, that's what this is about this morning. And I hope that uh, the gospel will help us see that a bit as well. This gospel reading is a particularly difficult one. I had something that I needed to forward to the clergy of the deanery, and I, because I was struggling myself, I was in there. I pray that the Holy Spirit inspires you in your preaching on this lesson today, on Luke, and praying for myself. <clears throat> it's, it's an interesting gospel, one that we need to pay attention to. Jesus had been uh, preaching and teaching in the temple. And uh, as you can imagine, if you visit a great cathedral or if you go to Trinity County Square and you're standing around and there are visitors there, you'll overhear people saying, there are beautiful places. And they'll point to particular things. And apparently the temple was not unlike many of our churches with gifts that have been made uh, on behalf perhaps of those who had died, but a memorial in a sense. So there were gifts that were dedicated to God make it a beautiful place in addition to the wonderful stones. And if you read some descriptions of the temple, the temple was a glorious place. It was just magnificent. And Jesus overhears them apparently talking about the beauty of that place. And he says to his disciples who are witness that in time there would not be a stone on top of a stone of this place. It would be utterly destroyed. You can imagine that they could hardly believe that. It was such an enormous structure. And besides, it was the house of God. It's where God resided. It's where we would go to pray. So how can it possibly be destroyed? And then he goes on and tells them of these awful things that were to come about. And that the fact that they would be arrested and that they would be tortured and they would be tried. But the very end of it, he assures them. He said, don't bother yourself with what you're going to say when you go before the judge, before the king. I will give you words. And at the very end, he says, that not a hair of your head will be burned. And the testimony that they have from that experience is what will save their souls. I think that in that gospel lesson, even though it sounds so terrible, I think that we can see that Jesus was encouraging his disciples to endure, to have courage, to not give up, and then to make their testimony. And that's what we heard from Rob this morning, was a testimony 
of his life, but especially his life with God. Now, the thing that I find fascinating is that all of us gathered here this morning are here because of the testimony of the disciples, and another disciple, and another disciple. And that chain of testimony has never stopped. People over and over again passing along the good news, in spite of hardship, in spite of torment, in spite of being of suffering enormously for their faith, the testimony of the done. Well, this is apocalyptic literature, and apocalyptic is very difficult for us, I think, to warm up to. It's not a very, uh, it's not a very comforting kind of literature. It, it essentially says, wake up, be alert, be aware of a spiritual reality. And because it's so mysterious, and because it's often very ominous, and the writing is very symbolic in many cases, it's subject to a lot of interpretation. And the uh, more uh, fundamentalist supporters of the church make a lot of that and often focus entirely on prophecy coming out of those writings in terms of end times and the end of the age. But I think in doing that, it really does injustice to the text. Because I think it's not so much about the end of the age, but it's about God coming among us and being with us. Not that the end is near, that God is near. It's a call to wake up, to realize, to be alert, and to always trust in God's faithfulness. The temple looked like it could never be destroyed. And perhaps there were many people who put their trust in everything around that temple. And we have things in our lives that we hang on to, that we believe are going to save us. And like the temple, they can disappear. They can be lost. Well, for the early Christians who heard this uh, lesson read from Luke, I, I think for them it must have been quite reassuring. They, of course, because Luke was written after the destruction of the temple in 70, they knew what happened to the temple. And not only that, their world had been turned upside down. For many of them, they probably thought the world was coming uh, unglued in the seas, just coming apart. So for them, I think it must have been somewhat reassuring to know that the Savior was going to be with them. They would not be alone. They would never be alone. And that indeed, in their winter, there could still be found promise. And just as they knew that the temple that had been so grand had come down, they also knew that it might be possible, they believed it might be possible, that the Romans might also that oppression might someday end. And they also had faith, knowing that Messiah had come once, so certainly he would come again. And when he came, he would bring peace, and he would bring justice, and there would be a new kingdom. Well, I think this gospel can bring us hope as well. Uh, there's been so much pain over the last couple of weeks, I think especially of the people of the Philippines, it's just hard to imagine the life that they're facing. And for them, it must feel like their world has really come to an end. And for many, it wasn't just the ones who died, but it's also the ones who are trying to stay alive today and don't have enough to eat, don't have bags of lives, can't find water, can't find shelter. And to see one's child die or have a child missing, the pain coming from the Philippines must be enormous. 
So I think we need to remember, especially in times like that, that as bad as it looks, God is still present. As bad as it may seem, wars and rumors of war, earthquakes, typhoons, God is still present and God is still faithful. One of the things that I think is hard for us to realize is that the cross was something that changed everything for us as people. We have been transformed, offered the opportunity of transformation through the cross. But the cross didn't stop bad things from happening. And so now we live in this in-between time, a kind of advent, actually, that we're getting close to, an advent that is waiting for the second coming, waiting for the return of Christ and for the kingdom. So we come to this time between the cross and the second coming, and we pray that God will, in some way, make God's self present in a way that we can know. Well, Mark Gardy ends his uh, meditations, and one of them, with uh, this particular prayer, and I think it may be a prayer that we can have for ourselves as well. Gracious God, leave us never without a sense that we can reach you, and even in the depths of life, you are there to listen, to offer promise.